0: you are like many of your brothers and sisters out there walking around on the surface of this planet, you are bound to dislike much of the common experience that we all share. Torture is the idea of repetitive stress aimed at breaking the subject into coercion or forced cooperation. It's a compliment to say that you struggle. It's a compliment to not like what you see. It means that you're not breaking. And so this message goes out to all of the fighters out there, all of God's people, no matter your faith, no matter what color your skin is painted If we are here for something, struggle must surely be a part of it. How can it not be? We struggle against gravity just to stand up and take our first steps. We struggle against forces of hunger and thirst There's a micro biological war occurring every nanosecond. It's a struggle for survival. Forces clashing. So do you struggle? That is the question of the today. Do you struggle? That is the question you must ask yourself. Is the struggle worth it? Is there value to be gained from this struggle? When we are taught to be compliant, this goes against the very notion that struggle is good, this sort of implies that we're supposed to be riding a gravy train, swimming around the kiddie pool with our floaties on, caked in sunblock. No, it's not about that. Once we grow up a little bit, we realize that the world is a dangerous place and that's okay. We realize that to gain any sort of truth or any aspect of value, we must risk ourselves. If any of you have ever known love, you know that you must make yourself vulnerable. You need to put yourself out there as they say, out there, out of safety, out of your shell, and to have faith in someone else, trust them. And yet when we are hurt, In these instances, we make up a bunch of excuses instead of just accepting that this is part of the deal. Getting hurt in the struggle, it is almost unavoidable. And so there's an element that I'd like to discuss today that's gonna recur again and again through these topics. And it's one that's very cringeworthy. It's this topic of forgiveness. And you let out the big sigh like, oh no, forgiveness. No one likes it. No one. Is a champion of forgiveness. Because it implies that we're going to get hurt. And then it implies that we have to not only accept this hurt but like be thankful for it or something. I don't know. No one wants to forgive. Nobody. And so there is a karmic loop. Whereas if you don't forgive, these things keep repeating. The punishment continues. And it becomes internalized punishment in the form of thought, memory, dreams. When we do not forgive our assailant or our mother or father or the guy that mugged us 20 years ago, whoever wronged us, when we do not forgive them, we build our own casket, slowly, day by day. And we build it with the memories of grudge. If you don't have someone to forgive in your life, you've been living under a rock. Everyone has someone to forgive. Part of the struggle of humanity is defining our boundaries and then yielding those boundaries. And then we give our heart to someone, so to speak, and then they break it and we cry and we demonize and we paint a wicked picture of their kind, be they woman, a man, whatever the case. There are caricatures of former humans walking on the face of the earth in misery, who have not forgiven. And they are telling their sob stories about who hurt them, who is wrong and they are embracing victimhood to the fullest because a victim locked in the perpetual cycle of victimhood cannot forgive because it would shatter the whole essence of what they are pursuing. And what they are pursuing is to cast blame, to cast blame and to say, you are wicked you are wrong. You should be abolished. You should be imprisoned. You should be beheaded. You should be killed and destroyed. And we should all build an effigy and make sure that no one ever does that again. Well, good luck with that. Now, most of us struggle with forgiveness in more subtle ways. Okay. Most of us, it's this tiny little needle, little thorn in our foot that's barely perceivable. But when we step just right, it hits the nerve and we feel that pang of pain rushing through our nervous system. And we tense up and we remember. And we say, oh no, not this again. In a meditation, a very useful apparatus is meditation on forgiveness. You just ask yourself the question, who must I forgive in order to progress? Who has hurt me? And who am I ready to forgive? And you let the question sit, and you just sit there closing your eyes and you. You let things come to your mind and one by one, you may see faces from your past. You may remember instances and most likely you'll be swept up in the memories. And then you may act them out again in your mind. The meditation on forgiveness, it's a good one. It's a good one and it's a good starter place for beginning stages of meditation. Because when we forgive others, we let go of the trauma and the memories, and we free ourselves from that cycle. We pull the splinter out of our foot so that we can move forward rapidly. Some of us have been really, really hurt by other people, even crippled emotionally, physically, the drunk driver that maims, injures, and kills another one in our family, how could we forgive them? It's a difficult question. All I know is that we must. How? That is the path. That is the path right there. If you want to get into the very general ideas of life, the basic framework, forgiveness is one of these pillars. And yet, we all put it off. It's unpleasant. I hate it. I hate forgiving. And that's how I know that I must do it. If you hate just the even idea or the breath beginning before the idea of forgiveness, well, that's where your work is. That's where your work must be done. Or, as said, you sow the tomb of your aging and progression, you build the raft that you will be floating on until you come to your senses and begin to work on rejoining humanity and reconnecting with those who will not maim you, those who will not hurt you in the same way. Now, you may say, but there are some things that are just unforgivable. Agreed. There are many things that are unforgivable. We don't have to name them. Let's just agree that those things are unforgivable. But what I'm talking about is the mental process, the emotional process. because we look at people and because we see ourselves in them these people are a reflection of our life and our choices and so when we see people that have hurt us and we choose not to forgive them what are we really doing and this is the essence of it we are not forgiving ourselves and so if you have some real trauma, there's only one person to forgive, and that is yourself. And that's where the, the real struggle is for all of us, forgiving ourselves. Isn't that interesting? So you're telling me that I don't have to forgive some guy that did something a long time ago, I just have to forgive myself. Well, yes. In a nutshell, yes. Let's explore the idea. If we can forgive ourselves, then we can forgive ourselves for being in the situation that allowed that. We can forgive ourselves for being foolish enough to be tricked by someone. Or we forgive ourselves for being in the wrong place where that happened. Or maybe we find that, ooh, I made a lot of decisions that led me up to there, and so I I would have to forgive myself for each one of those decisions. And the further you go, the, the closer you get to forgiving your true self, which is, in essence, the same thing as forgiving the world. Because when we forgive ourselves and we forgive each other, We begin to understand. We begin to be able to isolate our ideals from the world. Okay, because the world is extremely complex. Nature is nature. And then we are we. We are distinguishable from a Venus flytrap. We are very different from a pack of hyenas. They don't need to worry about forgiveness. They simply act on the impulse of their nature. And so some of us have become so maimed and so hurt and so injured that we have actually, some of us, begun to emulate the evil one that hurt us. We have begun to emulate the wicked. We have begun to craft our fangs and our claws. And we have begun to demonstrate our own clever wickedness after all, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Don't hate the player, hate the game. Think of these phrases. They're embedded into our psyche. They are synonymous with breathing and walking now. And so what is natural In the rule of nature is retribution, revenge. We form a memory. We put our guards on and we sharpen our knives and we go looking. We go looking for who hurt us and we're ready this time. And we stab at the first sound without even turning to see who it is. And this is how the cycle is perpetuated, you see. Animals have no other recourse. Humans have a choice, we have a mind. We have philosophy. We have society. We have interface. We have sophisticated means of communicating and storing data. And so this ups our game even more, whether we choose the cycle of revenge, or whether we choose to pursue the path of forgiveness. The stakes are raised because of all of our assets and our tools and our intellect. It's not easy to choose the path of forgiveness, because at first you will feel weak. You feel soft. It feels like giving up. And so many of us, I'm sure of it, we play these loops of revenge in our mind. We play it. We think about it. And then, if we're not careful, we materialize it, even in small ways, against whoever happens to be around. Any form of ism, that is, any form of prejudice, is simply the path of revenge. It is no better than animal violence. Whereas the pursuit of forgiveness, of ourself, and by extension, the rest of the world. It is the path of ultimate liberation, ultimate freedom, free from the slavery, free from the wheel of negative karma. And when you're free, you can laugh easy. When you're free, it doesn't mean that you've forgotten after all wisdom is a separate subject it's okay to accrue wisdom it's okay to stack experience and to stack knowledge but there is an emotional component of forgiveness that is the cheat code for this life if you want to have a fantastic life if you want to be truly free and happy if you want to laugh wholeheartedly if you want to be able to enjoy the rest of the time that you have on this planet, if you want to be able to breathe deeply and feel that air refreshing you, then forgiveness is the medicine to be taken. And it is the path worth pursuing. Don't take my word for it. It's really something that must be tried. And lucky for us, there is no shortage of trauma. All we have to do is look back. And if you've never experienced anything to forgive anyone for, well, what about the rest of the world? Surely you've seen injustice. Surely you've witnessed horrible things and atrocities. And so you could work on forgiving that and by extension work on forgiving the greater context, it all works the same, really. Your mind and being doesn't really distinguish between forgiving others and forgiving yourself or forgiving fictional characters in a drama or forgiving family members that raised you, you see? And the deeper the trauma, the more of an injustice. Well, that's just a more potent and fertile ground to sow your seeds of forgiveness. And this will create a robust column for your structure. Because in life, we're building a structure. We're building something. What are you building? What kind of life do you want to build? If you were in the military, if you served, and if you went through all of the trials and tribulations of training, and if you were versed in the ways of combat, then this message is for you. You don't have to lay down your arms in order to forgive. It can be done. It's a psychological and emotional process. You don't have to reject your country or reject your military background in order to do this. In fact, in my way of thinking, It is the super soldier that is adept at forgiveness. A soldier carries out orders, does what's right, does what his commander tells him, does what's right for his country, defends the borders. But the super soldier really transcends and becomes a true warrior.